Hello, everyone. This is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 15. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about connecting through play. Again, today, my guest is Michelle Robison, LCSW, and we're having another discussion, which we're titling Adventures in Overthinking It. Here now is my interview and discussion with Michelle Robison. Okay, welcome back to the Connected Family Podcast. We're here again with Michelle Robison and Mark Vanderlei, having another one of our Adventures in Overthinking It discussions as we overthink and analyze and discuss parenting, marriage, and connection and relationships. It's been a lot of fun for us, and so we're going to do it again. Today, our topic is connecting through play, and we're going to just be sharing some of our thoughts and ideas and how uh, we can connect with our children, maybe even connect with our spouses through different ways of play and playfulness. So, Michelle, as, as we start the discussion um, any thoughts that jump to your mind as we begin this topic of connecting through play? Well, we've had a couple of minutes to kind of just discuss this a little bit. And what I think the first thing that really continues to jump out in my mind is just how play changes over time. Mm-hmm. So as we are um, new parents, I recall, you know, playing and cooing and, 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 um, sitting on the floor and really getting down with the the baby and just play is really a lot of just me doing things to try to get a reaction or try to engage or with the child. And, and of course, as time goes on, we see that change Mm -hmm. and in the stages of teenagers and older, younger adults, um, play, as we discussed, starts to take on a silliness and a, and, um, a, a playfulness, um, that really can begin to bring out perhaps some of the personality of the parent that maybe wasn't there um, in some of the other um, younger years. So I, I think that concept that we um, were talking about is is something for parents just to keep in mind as they're growing developmentally with their child, because um, their uh-huh. child's growing developmentally. But as parents, we also grow developmentally. And so sometimes it's important to not take ourselves so seriously and to really be willing to, um, you know, get in there with our children and, um, and, and play and be silly. And, um, and I think sometimes that's, that's hard for us to do because we're working and we're so serious every day. Yeah. Yeah. One thing, you know, as you were talking about that, I'm particularly, I remember when my kids were really small and almost having to learn how to play how to play with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they so wanted to connect with me and be on the ground. And I was sort of in my head, um, being an adult and having lost some of that imagination. And when I began to uh, grow as myself, grow myself, I think, as a parent, learning that I have to enter their world mm-hmm. and play is the way to enter their world. And so when we're imagining with trucks or with you know whatever it might be that's the way that I can join them in in their world and I I was wanting them to come into my world hey let's you know even at a very young age hey let's sit down and talk or play a game this way 
but that's them <laughs> wanting to come into my world right. when right. I think as parents and it, it's really, hey, let's get into their world and experience their world so we can then get to understand what who they are, you know. And well, and I, think, I think what you're saying is to begin to look through their eyes mm-hmm. and see things as they would see things. Because I do think it's easy to be like, no, that's not the way to play it or no, that's not how to do it, as opposed to seeing what are they going to come up with? Mm-hmm. You know, how are they going to <clears throat> how is this going to develop into um, their memory or into, into their, their interactions. And I mean, as children, I mean, I, I recall that whole imagination that you're talking about trying to make pig stew and putting in dirt and water and grass and really believing truly in my heart that every day pigs came and ate that stew. And my parents just went along with it and, and laughed about it. And every day I went back to that hole and did that. And that's so lovely that that memory, because it's it, it the parents, my parents allowed that imagination to continue. Now, I did that. I did that pretty much on my own or with my friends. Um, but my, my parents not stopping that or saying, oh, you shouldn't play in the dirt or, you know, we need to put that whole, you know, cover that hole up, you know, kind of thing, I think is is. Um, is kind of what you're saying. It's, it's yeah. being, being aware of the imagination of the child and being willing to, to see where that goes. Yeah. Um, and so that's not even necessarily the idea that they actually were engaged in actual play with you, but that they were playful enough to be able to accept and join in, in sort of the more mental type of play. Right. Well, and I think what you have, what we've talked about before too, is that, um, our expectations for parents today is very different than expectations parents may have had um, for themselves um, a generation ago. And if you look even further back a, a, a second generation ago, how um, life life has changed over the years. And so I, I would say that probably parents today are playing more intentionally with their children than you know our parents would have played with us and certainly, how their parents would have played with them. Um, and so I think sometimes we got to give ourselves a little bit of a break, you know, as parents and realize that we're doing a pretty good job if we're intentionally doing something with our kids every day. Yeah. Because I think if we would, (laughs) many people our age, if they spoke to their parents about, Hey, what what did we do to play when we were young? Their parents would go play. What? (laughs) We didn't play. We were, you know, as our parents have said, we were so busy just surviving that there was no time to play. And then their parents, like you said, even that much more. So yeah, again, being last time in our discussion, we used the good enough parent as Mm -hmm. sort of the example and, you know, intentionally for some periods of time, really connecting through that play on a daily or, or regular basis Mm -hmm. is is great and really, really good. Yeah. And I do think that, that whole idea of intentional play, you know, prescribing it, you know, I think sometimes the challenge for us as parents, especially working parents, or even parents who are in the home with their children all day, you know, it can become something that becomes a chore as opposed to something that they look forward to. Um, And creating patterns or finding finding special um, rituals, you know, around particular things that we're going to do 
um, together is something then that children can look forward to. And you as a parent will look forward to. It's like, okay, let's go do our bedtime routine that involves um, you know, reading a book or um, sitting down on the floor and playing a game first. Those kinds of things are what children are going to remember. And, and it doesn't take a, a lot of, of effort and energy to do, to do that. Um, but I do think, you know, it, it's, it's not fair to, to not look at what about the mom who's in the home with the, ch- with the children all day long? How do you differentiate between what she's doing every day with them and that intentional or prescribed or scheduled you know, way of being really focused on, on that particular child. Yeah. So how does that mom who you, so I think what you're saying is how does that mom who's kind of tired mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe doesn't want to do the intentional real directed, uh, energetic play, how does that person have grace for oneself? Right. 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 And, and I think, yeah. Um, and I think that and that's probably true. I mean, that's true for moms or dads or grandmas or grandpas or whoever is it is is responsible for the day to day caregiving of of children, you know, and and that it goes back to that good enough parenting or that that not beating yourself up um, and finding ways to move forward and and try something different the next day. Um, yeah. You know, I guess as you were thinking and talking, I was reflecting on some of the. Um, previous conversations that we've had about play and maybe for that parent who's with the children all the time it's there's some about really intentional directly intending to play real specifically but also maybe creating an environment where play is acceptable or there's room for the child to play because I think often in our culture today children are so scheduled and so busy and have so many things lined up that there's no room for play. And even not not necessarily even play with a parent, but maybe even play with their sibling or with a neighbor or by themselves, but unstructured where their, their creativity and their um, imagination is allowed to roam and wander. I think that's pretty important too, leaving space for play. Yeah, I think that's a huge dilemma. I think that's a huge dilemma that we're so focused on preparing them for the future yeah. and that they are going to make this the, the particular team or they're going to succeed in college that at three and four, we are, you know, structuring them to a point that they will want nothing to do with any of that. And they miss out on those developmental milestones and it's, and it does impact them. I think, you know, as they, they socially function later on um, in life, I don't have research that goes along with that, but I definitely have seen and heard stories of people who, who report that. I think, I think that is a huge issue. Um, And I think it then goes back to the parents issues of why is it that you feel the need to structure your child's day so much because it really isn't about the kid. The kid isn't structuring their day. The parent is, is doing that. And so what is it that they are having a difficult time sitting with? Yeah, I know, you know, even in our, in my family, we have four kids and they're all pretty close together. And particularly when they were (laughs) younger, it was easier to have structure. 
because mm-hmm. without the structure, there tended to be conflict and disagreement and a little bit more chaos. But if we would be moving from one thing and sometimes it wasn't necessarily activities, but it was, you know, kind of trying to keep the momentum moving forward, because if we weren't pointed in some direction, it would get kind of kind of tough. And at least in our family, I think as they've gotten older, we've been able to relax a little bit and not have to be so directed in that way. Um, but I was thinking of a story so with with our kids that I, I love. There's a number of these stories that I love to see where I think creativity and sort of the room to play really is exciting. Is we were uh, spending some time with some cousins uh, at a lake a few summers ago. It was quite a while, a number of summers ago. And when we're doing this, when we're with the cousins and we're um, at the lake, we don't get rid of the video games, less movies, you know, less technology and all that sort of stuff. And the kids were just kind of outside playing together. And all of a sudden, the parents were kind of sitting back observing them. And all of a sudden, they had a they had a bucket and a rope that was tied to the bucket. And they probably spent 30 to 45 minutes, there were four or five of them, playing together in some sort of adventure and some sort of task that they had created with themselves with a bucket and a rope. And they were fully involved, fully engaged in this creative process of whatever it is they were doing for quite a long time. And it was just so fun to watch. And without the space to do that, um, it may, it might not have happened. And I just always think about like the, the, um, cooperative social skills they're learning through some experience like that there was bickering there was arguing mm-hmm. you know um those things are just kind of fun things to see when you when there is that room for play in that way yeah and there's so little room these days mm-hmm. I and mean, i'm just thinking about you know if you're not scheduled and structure is not bad i'm i'm right. i'm 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 identifying like scheduling music lessons and band less or you know dance lessons and all of these different things you know to 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 try to get everything you know so there's no free time but i mean even if there's those things aren't scheduled you're talking about um interruptions from the tv and from from the radio or from the phone or from social media. And and really there's no time that these kids have where they're not having something coming at them, you know, in, in this day and age. And, and, you know, the thing that comes up for me is those that have been brought up in this, what do they call it? The Z generation Mm -hmm. nowadays, they don't know anything else but that. Yeah. At least those that are at the tail end of the millennials, they still have had it where they didn't have a phone. You know, I don't think my oldest daughter, she's turning 23 this year. She got a phone in seventh grade. Um, and then, you know, that that got a little bit lower for the second daughter. But the, the, the Z generations, I think they really don't know anything but that. And I wonder how that's going to really impact this, what you're talking about, cooperative social learning, and what are, what is this going to look like in the, um, the workforce or, or later on down the line? Because what do we know? Play is work for children, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's what we talk about, you know, as clinicians is what is your job? Your job is to play through play. You're going to learn how to be, you know, social learning. You're going to learn how to be socialized. You're going to learn how to get along with other people. And, you know, we are, 
seeing, as you say, less and less space for that. And so how is that going to impact society as a whole? And I know that's a bigger issue many people are talking about, but yeah. which causes us to proactive or more intentional about giving our kids the, the time to be outside without any influences with maybe not always us on the ground, but giving them time to just kind of go and be kids. Yeah. Um, so it could be intentional about specifically connecting with them in play, but it could also be intentional about not connecting with them in play and allowing them the space to play on their own or to play with friends or to just be bored. Right. Because I, I mean, I, that's a topic too, right? Yeah. I did a, a previous <laughs> podcast episode on boredom in the it came from a book that I read um, entitled Entertaining Ourselves to Death or something. And the author argued that boredom actually probably, at least the type of boredom that we're experiencing presently, is related more to overstimulation as opposed to understimulation. And that's kind of what you were talking about. With, yeah. We're just, you know, constantly getting stimulation and input. And so nothing's exciting because it's all because it's all exciting. I mean, I can relate to that personally in the sense of I'm sitting in my chair and I have the TV on. I have my <laughs> computer for work in front of me that I'm trying to work on. And I also have a little game on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that's what that's what it's coming to. And it's not just the kids that are doing it. It's the parents. And so yeah. then that that significantly impacts the space that the parents have to to be present with their children. You know, I, I think that what it comes down to is we just have to schedule the time to do it, you know, and maybe if we schedule the time, then we will um, take it as seriously as we take other scheduled appointments, you know, in our book. I know that's not very glamorous, but um, it kind of does what it is, what it comes down to at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things you mentioned earlier was kind of a silliness that comes out in the play or a way for us to play when when our kids become more in the teenage years, because um, we're not less necessarily on the ground imagining with them anymore like we might when they're younger. But it's more a silliness that we could have not taking ourselves so seriously Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that gets to be a really fun stage. I, I, I'm just getting into that with my 13 year old and the way that we can use language and words and plays on words. Um, I think that's a lot of fun. What thoughts do you have any ideas there? Yeah, well, I certainly am in that stage. And so I've got a 23-year-old, almost 23-year-old, 18-year-old, and 16-year-old. And sometimes I end up being um, the, 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 the butt of the joke, which then, you know, of course, causes a lot of laughter and silliness, which, you know, I think is great because then I'm in, I'm in on the joke with them and I'm engaged in the dialogue and, you know, it's, it's not something that I'm getting upset about. Um, but I do think it still takes, it's important that you are in that mindset and that you're thinking about that, you know, and when your kids are trying to connect with you, that you remain present, you know, that you remain, um, focused with them. Because I do think sometimes some of the things that are older children can say, we might take a little bit too seriously. And, and we have to remember that this is the way that they're trying to connect with us. They're really not, you know, always trying to be 
um, negative. They're really trying to find out how do I navigate this, 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 this dance with my parent now, as I'm an older, older child, you know, sarcasm, you know, being, being joking, you know, pulling pranks, you know, those kinds of things. If your child pulls pranks, we'll find a way to pull a prank back on them. One, of course it's safe, but I mean, it, it leads to those kinds of, of dances, um, that, um, definitely are, um, still, uh, fun and engaging, but, but take on a little bit bigger life, you know, so to speak. And I think those, those, uh, dances, as you're calling them become shared experiences that can, and when we laugh and when we joke, those shared experiences seem to be the ones that are stored in the brain with the memories that we come back to. Um, Uh, so and so those are wonderful things, just that laughter that can be shared together to um, enjoy down the road. We have one in our family. So I had a friend in high school who used to always, he was a little bit chunkier, and he used to always say, you'd say something to him, and he would always say, is that a fat joke? You know, just kind of a <laughs> silly thing. <laughs> you could say anything, anything, and he would say that. And so I, for some reason, started doing that a few years ago. Our kids would say something to me and I'd be like, is that a fat joke? Just kind of to be silly, you know. And so even just recently, my wife was with our kids at the gymnastic, local gymnastics center and they were both on like a gymnastic bar and they were kind of in the middle of the bar. And the teacher said, oh, don't don't just hang out in the middle of the bar. It makes it bend too much. And so it was my wife and one of my sons. And they kind of looked at each other. And because we had over the course of years, done this joke a number of times, they looked at each other and they both said at the same time, is that a fat joke? And they just (laughs) laughed and just like shared this experience. And, you know, I think that silliness, not taking ourselves so seriously is kind of how those family stories, those family jokes, those inside things might get developed in that. Yeah, that's a great story. That's a great story. (laughs) And I think that is so true. And that, that is, is them being in on the joke and both of them thinking of it at the same time. And that's a shared experience and that causes and creates connection, which then leads to, you know, a stronger attachment in a sense, you know, because it's like, Hey, we are, we are um, both focused on this intensely in that, in that moment, even though we're not sitting right next to each other, we're looking at each other and we're having this look where it's like, mm-hmm, we've got yeah. this. And that makes, it's a shared memory. It's a shared mm-hmm. story. And that, that I think is, is what helps build and strengthen relationships, but it doesn't have to always be on the floor, does it? Right. Yeah. It's just in our minds. Sometimes we talk a lot in our work yeah. as counselors about holding the other person in our mind. Yeah. And that's kind of in some ways what they were doing together, right? Right. They had held this experience together and that's the shared sort of. And now they're going to have that, that experience to hold and we'll go forth and go forth and go forth. I know my, we have a running joke in our family um, where uh, my husband has always said, you know, Hey, guess what? And then the kids would say what? And then he would say chicken butt. <laughs> and so I know it's a silly thing. But so my son has really glommed on to that. And he has a teenager, you know, 
he will say it incessantly to the point that it kind of gets annoying. And so now the joke is, hey, let's see how much we can annoy mom in the sense in the sense of, you know, saying this joke. But in that moment, after, even after I get annoyed, I'm, I reflect on it and I'm like, you know what? He's just really trying to connect with me in this moment. Mm-hmm. This is something that he remembers and that he um, has found pleasure in. And so, mm-hmm. you know, again, that's a reminder not to take it so seriously and, and be able, hey, maybe you should respond back to him with the, with the joke, you know, and, and mm-hmm. come up with that. And so I think that's just bringing it into some practicality that, you know, we don't have to be perfect and, and we never say that we are, um, but that, you know, it's, it's a way of, of really trying to understand what is, what is this overuse of this family joke really meaning? Yeah. What do you think about, I'm trying to also think about this in the context of marriages and the, you know, marriage relationship and how we can be playful. I honestly, I think this playfulness with words and such mm-hmm. is just as important between spouses oh, as it would be between children and parents. Um, would you agree with that? I would agree. And I know that there are, you know, we, 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 as my husband and I, as a couple, we have certain inside jokes, you know, that go along with particular movies that the whole family knows that we absolutely love. And, um, and I think that then when that kind of interaction is happening, then the kids see that. And then that Mm -hmm. also enhances the relationship between, you know, the parents and the kids. And so, I think it's important for our kids to see us um, being silly and being playful and and joking around because that gives them space then to do that in their outside relationships too. Yeah. Um, And when they see that between their parents, I'm sure it sort of creates a tone, mm -hmm. creates a um, experience, um, emotional experience sort of within the home of playfulness or, or not. And I imagine those, I think at least in my you know, experience those moments of where we get to play with one another in that way between spouses sort of helps one get through the moments when we're ticked right. off at each other or frustrated right. with each other um, and or probably, stressed I would, out. I would probably just not recommend um, trying to be to do the particular joke um, <laughs> <laughs> when when there might be a little bit of that struggle going on. Right. Right. <laughs> or, or maybe toward the end. No, you know, I mean, again, that, that can be tested out because I think, I think as, as, as we are trying to be, uh, not taking ourselves so seriously, seriously with our kids, it's sometimes hard to, to take yourself too seriously in those moments with your spouse Mm -hmm. as well. And so, you know, you might have to reflect on that. Well, okay, this is them again, using a joke inappropriately or at a really bad time to try to, you know, re-engage, you know, to try to, to, to get the, the, the relationship back on track. If, if there's been a a little bit of a, a break, you know, um, with that. So I I guess that principle might be true for, with the kids as well. There's appropriate times and helpful times to joke. And then there's times (laughs) where you have to know, Eh, this probably isn't the right moment or whatever. And, and that's social key. That's, that's good social skills. Yeah. <laughs> Hard even for us adults sometimes. To yes, out. yes, <laughs> yes, yes. But at the end of the day, you know, I think, I think it, it all comes down to, to really trying to um, see the importance of connecting 
in a, in a playful and silly way that it, it, you don't always have to take yourself so seriously. Yeah. And um, sometimes your kids can help you when you need to um, just start laughing a little bit more. Yeah. Especially when they're when they're at when you're at that you know older older stage with the kids, right? Yeah, I, I couldn't help but can we keep thinking back to again in our world of counseling, we often talk, um, at least in the training we've had with Theraplay, about letting go of our inhibitions, and mm-hmm. part of doing that well is the need to be able to sort of not be afraid to look silly, and that's basically what we've talked about, you know being willing to laugh at ourselves and look silly and let go of those things that hold us back from, from that sometimes. So, well, I think, I think when we do that, we, we kind of surprise the kids. And Mm. so, you know, when you're willing to be silly and weird and say, you know, crazy things that they wouldn't expect that pulls them off guard. And then, you know, even for a kid who's like, I am not going to have fun with you today. Um, brings about, you know, a, a, a crack in a, sm- a smile, you know, yeah. or brings about, you know, a particular twinkle in the eye, which then is like, okay, build on that, you know, yeah. for that kid that really is trying hard not to be engaged by you. Yeah. Because yeah. essentially that's what you're trying to do by doing that is, is bring about, you know, this connectedness and not every kid wants to connect with their parents during this time. And it's, it can be very maddening as a parent. What do I do? And it's just, you know, these kinds of things can help you bring about uh, a slight shift, which then you can build upon. Yeah, I guess as you're saying that, it's like sometimes and in some moments they don't want to connect. And I I think there's an attunement and uh, reciprocity that happens even as the parent recognizes, okay, right now isn't the moment. Whatever's happening inside of them, they're not ready for that. It's okay. And continuing to come back at another time, maybe. Or even just accepting that little twinkle that you talked about as that's what I'm going to get through these teenage years. Right. A little tiny acknowledgement. Well, I guess it just causes me to think about a morning routine with my 18 year old daughter who's been difficult to rouse in the morning for (laughs) years. And, you know, if you go in and you, um, uh, do a little dance, you know, just do a little bit of silly with her. As long as I get her to open her eyes and just kind of look at me like kind of madly, I'm like, okay, she'll get up. You know, (laughs) it doesn't have to be this whole honey, you know, this kind of thing, you know, it's, but she knows that I care when I come in and do that, you know, that, that there's, there's that, even though it may not be this always like, Oh, kind of thing. It's, it's what we have together that shows that we're connected on that. Yeah, it's your history and your experience and your whole, all of those memories wrapped up together. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I guess the point of that is to not always, it doesn't always have to be what the world tells us it is. Yeah. We don't have to be so hard on ourselves thinking, you know, because we're going to be always comparing ourselves. Well, this is what this one does or that. It's whatever it is that, that causes you and your child to feel connected. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't have, have to be the ideal, ideal. The I- idealistic sort of, oh, we're connecting and there's it's just wonderful. Bliss. Kumbaya. It doesn't have to be kumbaya. <laughs> it might actually be awkward and, and grumpy and not, not great. 
but if it's yours, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. And that's what, and that's what your, um, can, that's what your playful banter is all about. You know, it's banter. It's, it's, it's fun. It's silly. Um, and is what's going to give you something to laugh about, you know, later on, Remember, you know, I'd have to come in your room and every time I'd wake you, I would, you know, have to wake you up, you know, I'd get just like a little grunt, you know? Yeah. I was so glad you did that. You know, I was so glad you still came in my room, even despite that, you know, it made me know that you felt that you cared about me. Yeah. It's really writing the story that you're going to be telling about telling down the road and that narrative that becomes a part of the child's experience mm-hmm. of you and of themselves and of the relationship. Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Well, I think we are about out of time for our discussion already. It went pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but I, again, always enjoy it. Had a lot of fun. And um, we'll have another one in a few uh, next week. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Good Thank talking you. to you. Yep. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Connected Family Podcast. We're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. If you'd like to continue the conversation about connecting in play, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups, the Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources, discussions regarding episode topics, and support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or our website at connectionsquincy.com.